This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers in the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Welcome to the next episode of this new season of the Breaking Normal podcast. You might be noticing a theme here arising organically with the previous guest, Vincent Thomas, and this guest, Aaron Trojanowski. Woo! He actually just messaged me a day. Uh, he is such a cool guy. What a cool... I mean, it's amazing. This guy just randomly picks me up on Uber in a blue Tesla and then to find out and uncover how much resonance there is and how obviously divinely orchestrated this meeting was. Um, he actually just messaged me about, he saw that I interviewed Eagle McMahon, who I saw yesterday as well. I just ran into him. He bought a bull testicle complex from me. He loves the tribe vitamins. A lot of the guests here do. Um, if you haven't tried the superfoods in capsules, raw, freeze-dried, 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, that were used as medicines before pharmacies existed, get yourself some today. TribeVitamins.com. You want to lose weight? Want to look great? Want to get stronger with less effort? And want to be able to put out more effort with more ease? Start taking these six to 10 pills, whether it's the liver or the organ complex or the antler first thing in the morning. You want to lose weight, even more weight? Have it for brunch instead of some crappy filled Whole Foods canola oil salad bar item. Anywho, I love this stuff. A guy fit today uh, who is a big sports agent that represents boxers and some NFL players messaged me a day because he had a bottle of tallow balm. He called me actually. And he was like, wow, this is the owner answering. He's like, I love it when people love their companies. But allegedly, his family is responsible for men's fitness magazines. And he was telling me about some sort of really expensive, like $400 cologne. Maybe someone knows the name of it for men. It's vanilla uh, flavored. He was saying that this balm is, smells just like it. And it's the best thing he's ever used on his skin. And he couldn't believe that it sat in his bag so long. And he doesn't even know where he got it from. But he wants to talk more. So I bring up this stuff because when we get a big potential buyer like that, because our supply is so limited, I definitely want to know, let our retail customers know now uh, that balm, I'm telling you, this it has is loaded with vitamins A, D, E, and K, and there is nothing more moisturizing. I had another lady hit me up recently about gifting it to her Colorado Airbnb uh, visitors, which I think is a brilliant idea. If you're visiting somewhere high and dry, like Boulder, Colorado, or Steamboat, or Telluride, or Aspen, or Carbondale, make sure you get some of this stuff. Uh, and I, I even have friends that visit here, and they... Um, they get some bloody noses. One of the best ways to prevent that, stuff that tallow up your nose. It's so clean you can eat it. You can stick it in your ears or your nose or you know. Anywho, just kidding. Keep breaking normal, y'all. Enjoy this amazing drop-in with my man, Mr. Trojanowski. From down into divorced to on fire for fatherhood. What a cool story. Tribevitamins.com, thank you for supporting this Breaking Normal podcast endeavor. I love y'all. Let's go. Yo, UberTube, Breaking Normal Podcast, episode two of this new season, and it's so aligned. There's like an organic pattern expressing itself. Um, as y'all know, if you listen to the previous podcast, I interviewed my Uber driver who is driving this cool red Tesla. He's an artist from, I think the TV show is called Public Artist. 
on HBO named Vincent Thomas driving around Boulder doing awesome things and got on the podcast for the sake of synchronicity. And then sure enough, a couple of days later, uh, my girlfriend ended up a little lost in the local neighborhood after uh, nannying for uh, some local legends. Hey, I'll shout them out for the owners of Tonic, Charlie and Toey, who were part of our recent um, bison harvest. Uh, uh, Toey was, and she brought her two sons, and uh, my girlfriend was uh, nannying for them. And she doesn't have a SIM card in her phone, and she didn't know how to get back home. So I was like, okay, let me just book an Uber, and I, I know where we're going. And I'll, we'll pick her up and like go to dinner or something. And this awesome guy that I'm sitting here with now, Aaron Trojanowski, picks me up in, in a Tesla, this time blue. I like the blue better. I love it. <laughs> um, to, just to go on this mission, and sure enough, it was easy, breezy. We found her, and then our our adventure continued for that evening. But I wanted to take note of because I think when I walked when I walked into the Tesla there, Aaron had a, the most recent Joe Rogan podcast on, and I was like, wow, um, because that that's probably. Uh, like it's a little challenging for me. I I don't listen to that many podcasts, but I do love a few. And the ones I tend to go to if I see a big collaboration would probably be most number one would be Joe Rogan, um, and then Tim Ferriss and um, like Aubrey Marcus's, my friend JP's. Um, but Joe Rogan's definitely something about it. He's got the he's got the zest. He's got it and. It sounds like Aaron here, you listen to a lot of, it sounds like you're, have you ever read the book um, from Malcolm Gladwell called Tipping Points by any chance? No. Okay. No. I think they reference this person, this archetype known as the maven, who's like a, they're like the research and development king, like the guy that is like willing to go through the data and figure out what is most cooperative and collaborative and what's maybe off it seems like you love research and development through podcasts, at least. Am I correct about this? Very much so, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to do other things while listening, and so more of my research comes from that. And I'm also the kind of person that um, is interested in the knowledge really just for the knowledge's sake, you know? So on the Myers-Briggs, that's an INTP, but it's also just kind of the more philosophical, like juxtaposition to my 11-year-old stepson who is is just a whiz at like engineering like i think that's a big difference between people some people they're going to look for the the bare minimum amount of knowledge required to do something practical with it and i'm the opposite i just want the knowledge it's just like an obsession <laughs> nice i think if i remember on that myers-briggs test whatever it was interpreted as it was interpreted as like the inspirer because my brothers I, I have two brothers and we have a youtube channel called the rob bras and this was like a big part of our life many years ago and it still surfaces because the youtube videos people could watch one of our videos for the first time tomorrow but we all did the test to like figure it out and i think mine was like enfp is that possible enfp yeah that's definitely one or enfj it might have been an efj <laughs> efp one of those two the j is the judging versus the p is the perceiving so the j would indicate that you're more focused on doing things with your information the, I, that would probably be a j yeah yes i'm very um about that inspired action 
That's awesome. And actually, basically, my schedule to take inspired action is usually based on synchronicity, hence the schedule of this podcast, hence how we are here right now. I love it. I need to take a cue from that for sure. <laughs> well, and it sounds like we already, like, it was almost hard for us not to talk too much before pressing record here because it sounds like we have an awful, and I mean all, like, full of awe. In common. I love it. <laughs> in common. Including your facial hair is just epic. And I was like telling him a little bit like how I've been experimenting with growing a mustache um, recently for the first time. But yeah, you got like some cool... I even noticed like the braided beard. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, this is the only thing that grows on me. So um, I'm glad that it went well that it looks decent i think i look like a character from a movie but people do compliment it which so. one like uh, one of the johnny depp ones it seems so yeah they used to call me sparrow when i was um traveling around the country painting and um but i think i get more um d'artagnan from the three musketeers and then inigo montoya from princess bride wow traveling around the country painting what do you mean by that so um so after my divorce um I kind of fell apart and and I lost my current job that I was doing, working for Magnolia Design Center, uh, designing audio and home theater setups. And so I was looking for what something else What do you think about my design here? <laughs> I love it, man. Okay, that little glitch there. That was, it was kind of cool. It sounds kind of nice, if, as long as it stops. It's real. It's organic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's for sure. And I was on Magnolia Road today, just for the sake of synchronicity. Oh, nice. Have you been up there? No. Okay. All right, so you lost your job after your divorce? Yes. Yeah, man, that was that was a rough point in my life. And uh, so it was, it was just it was hard for me to function in a sales and design position where I've got to be on. Where you know all like you know I'm I'm just wallowing in despair you know, and so uh, a friend that I had made that was working at no, the Best Buy. No, I don't know. Wallow. No. I don't. You know, the reason I say this is because there was you said something. Well, maybe I about you said you could learn something about taking action on the synchronicity. One of the things in my book that I don't know if I included enough is very like it's like about subtle spells of language. And I think one of the things sometimes people will say when they don't know is, you know, right? Okay. And a lot of people agree to be nice. Does that make sure, sense? They absolutely. like agree to because they they want for harmony, like for what they perceive to be harmony. For sure. But I think sometimes in a conversation, in a communication, yeah, in a prayer between two people, that there are upgrades available to each other. And when someone tells me, you know. I aim to tell them if if they if I don't know, then I aim to actually answer that because I see a lot of people they say yeah I do like they just agree and they don't even know what the person just said. For sure, <laughs> yours is very clear. Um, I, but I when I got divorced, for instance, I had the t I wallowed in despair for like twenty four hours to f a week, very hard. And then I re and then I went to like then I went to really the spiritual opportunity of a lifetime for my daughter specifically. I don't know if you had did you have kids? I had no kids. Okay, so that I've heard I think this is a different experience to go through a divorce um, without kids and with children. Certainly, because now you I mean you have a whole other story. About Absolutely. It. Oh my gosh, this story gets wilder and wilder. Hold on, hold on, y'all. Um, but I did want to say that because, and I did want to say that because I think divorce might be a topic of this discussion that we're embarking upon. And I definitely could understand how easy it could be 
to wallow in despair over such a potentially traumatic experience. It was the end of an eight-year marriage, and, um, you know, it wasn't the right person to begin with, so it was a long time in the coming. Uh, she finally decided to leave, which was the best gift she ever gave me. But uh, that coincided with, a, you know, I had fallen into opiate use, and mm. so something that I do when things go wrong is I don't take it easy on myself uh, as far as my path towards recovery, I jump headfirst into it. So in one moment, I quit opiates and nicotine and caffeine and carbs and sugar, and I would only drink water and whole foods. And so m m I was going through a lot. Like that, that's a that's a lot to put your mind through at one time. Man, you're now you're. Did I mention my dad's been a pharmacist for over 40 years? No. Okay. I, I mean, and it sounded like you're a pretty open book about this conversation, which I totally appreciate. Man, with all the different drugs and psychedelics and supplements and superfoods out there to experiment with, it seems like one of the most risky ones is opiates. For sure. Like pharmaceutical opiates specifically. Yeah. Um, and Which is interesting because like one time I got my wisdom teeth pulled out, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but they gave me thirty Percocets, and I was like sixteen years old. Like, I th what the freak? Yeah, that's what they did. Is this? Is it, I mean, like, if you don't mind, and I will also give this disclaimer in a way, and an, op an invite. I watched this movie called Kissed by God. Okay. Have you ever seen this? No. Um, or Touched by God? It's about um, Andy Irons, one of the best surfers in the world. Okay. Who also has, like, he experimented with a lot of crazy stuff in a very intense way, like a big wave surfer, like, but also in the drug realm. But the one that seemed really messed him up was the opiates. Yeah, for sure. It'll do it, definitely. And like you said, the pharmaceuticals in particular, it's not that they're worse than heroin or carfentanil, but there is something about uh, it coming from an official, acceptable route, like, this is okay for you to do. Um, and then the story that was told to everybody that it wasn't addictive. For me, that wasn't the case. I knew that was addictive, but it, I was exposed to it so easily. Um, my mom was one of six kids, and every relative, every sibling she had was on pain pills from the doctor for different reasons. Mm. And, you know, and they're all, you know, solidly practicing Jehovah's Witnesses. They'd never been drunk a day in their life. They would never smoke a single cigarette but they have an entire pharmacy of hardcore opiates without even realizing that that's the same thing or even worse. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I was exposed to it for sure. Wow. What a, um, a thread of, like I imagine humanity of strong, strong, like very, um, what's the word? Not dogmatic, but like, what's the word where you really believe in something? It's like a good word for that. This not dogmatic. Um, you really believe in something. Like passionate religious niches, like Jehovah's Witnesses, maybe Mormons. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what other. <laughs> Dogmatic's not a bad word to use for that. I didn't know where you're going. <laughs> um, but they but yeah. really believe in what they're doing, and they're quite successful as a group. Um, appearing to the public oh for sure um and how many of them are like it's like they're inspiring to like people like it's like oh they don't even use caffeine they don't even do this but how many of them might be 
using like um like their daily dose of their pharmaceutical regimen might fuck like freaking like knock me out yeah like it might like put me down for like a like it might be dangerous for me to take one of their doses absolutely could you imagine if that like how many is that a big conversation that's not happening potentially um yeah in those circles (laughs) it is in those circles it is yeah Particularly because it's prescribed by the man in the white coat. That's it. That's the only difference, for sure. Yeah. Man. They had never... Like, I'm telling you, every person in my family... I'm, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, uh, third generation on my mother and father's side. Everyone. And not, uh, not a single one of them had been drunk, smoked a cigarette, did a drug. But that was such a common thing. Because, okay, this is medicine. I have an issue. The doctor said this is the fix for it. Now, my mom, so in in how much of it is not excusable, I'm not sure, because my mom had felt what taking a pill from her sister felt like. And she said, oh, I don't like that. That's not good. That's, it feels like being high, even though she had never been high in her life. So my mom stayed solidly away from that and set that good example for me. But of course, I was a rebellious teenager, so. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about that. It's just the just the social acceptedness, uh, like the acceptance, like the wide mass acceptance for people <laughs> to take such powerful drugs daily and feel consciously good about it, right? Because of our cultural setup, blows my mind. I know, especially because there are other drugs that get demonized from this same group, such as like microdosing on LSD or like um, mushrooms, for yes. instance, like but those two in particular, or even cannabis in whatever ways, like just these like, um, and I mean microdosing, like uh, I'm just saying that you can be, someone could, I feel like a doctor could prescribe like take this small amount of that, those substances and they would have better results but they can't do it, and they're taking so much more dangerous drugs because the doctor told them to, and they feel better about it. Yes. And yeah. I can empathize with this in some ways. There's like parts of me that can, like, because of uh, parts of my family and parts of myself, that can really empathize with this dilemma. I don't know if it's a dilemma or a conundrum or like, wow, an enigma. It's. I mean, I think that the root of it is... Uh is the money and power in the pharmaceutical industry and the fact that you can't patent a natural uh, alkaline, you know? They, they can't patent um, LSD. They can't patent... Why, do you understand why that is? I'm not sure if I understand why that is. I'm going be, be more of a novice than I know on that part of this conversation. So my understanding is something that is naturally occurring... Um, cannot be patented. So maybe LSD is a bad example of that. Although I think that those alkaloids are naturally occurring in, in like ergot, you know, the, the, the mold that grows on rye that, that they derive it from. But, um, but yeah, any naturally occurring plants cannot be patented because they were not created by them. So they can't own them. If they can't own them, they can't set the price, make the money. You know, it's just going to be, anybody can go straight to a generic, if you will, because, they can't, it's not patented. So that the real money that they make is the initial phase before they can turn something generic. And then I wonder how, like, um, the one of the substances, like Molly 
or sassafras mm-hmm. fits into this conversation. Why aren't are pharmaceuticals taking are pharmaceutical companies taking advantage of Molly or sassafras or well, that experience? So maps. Um, which I'm familiar with that. I'm a little bit. Yeah. And I understand there's a huge psychedelic conference coming to Denver like next week. Are oh, you, I didn't know that. No. Oh, I think it's like going to be the biggest one ever. That's cool. Yeah. But tell me more. Tell me more everything you know about this because I find this very fascinating. So, so MDMA is in there with um, psilocybin and ketamine as what MAPS is pushing and, and actually making real headway um, as far as getting acceptable, as acceptable medical use. So we are moving in that direction, but it's not uh, just out of the greed of the pharmaceutical company. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are really trying hard to make that happen. Um, the, the MDMA is one that is not a naturally occurring. Uh, MDA is, right? Sass, sassafras. And I understand how that's really made it a drug form. Do you? I can't. I, I, I knew it at one point, man. I mean, when I left the Jehovah's Witness thing, I dove headfirst into this website called Arrowid, which has like every single piece of information you could want on any uh, substance, on any psychoactive substance, whether it's caffeine to catnip to sassafras right and um so i got really into trying to isolate these alkaloids out of their natural sources so i got san pedro cactus and i isolated mescaline out of it i got um great one that's not talked much about mescaline i mean i feel like there was a point that was super popular and now i don't know i don't know i guess it depends where you're at like i know a few people that are sort of into it more like the indigenous people seem to be into it like the san pedro the the native american church uses um the peyote but the problem with peyote is it takes forever for the buttons to mature so it's like on the verge of extinction and you can't just mass do that so san pedro which is in peru natively and is used by the um, shamans in Peru, along with you know ayahuasca, um, that one became more popular. And you could even for a while get San Pedro in Home Depot. You could pay fifteen dollars for a one foot San Pedro. I think I still see that at the farmers market. Really? So basically, you can isolate mescaline from that. Yes. Yeah, which I did. It was a long process. And what is mescaline like compared to these other amazing like what do you call these like entheogens? What is the word? Entheogens. And is that like what do you call them? Uh, yeah, no, that's a perfect term for them, and theogens, I, I like that. It's probably better than hallucinogens. Psychedelics still a nice term, you know, it's got mm-hmm. a lot to it, but uh, they're trying to get away from that for um, all the stigma attached to that. I mean, all of these, why I'm bringing these up, all of these seem like amazingly competitive to almost every pharmaceutical um, without the side effects. Yes, I think the where the real money is going to be in these treatments are the treatment centers themselves, though, not the pharmaceutical companies. So, like, um, it's like a dollar's worth of ketamine they're giving you, but they're charging you $1,000 for a ketamine session. So that's where they're making their money on it. Okay. Which I'm okay with, you know, if they want to do that to and make ketamine it ketamine is one I'm not familiar with. I mean, I'm not, like, meaning I've never experimented with it. I've heard all kinds of things. That That is basically the same substance, like, as a horse tranquilizer. Is that my understanding? Uh, sure, it's an animal tranquilizer. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and but where does ketamine come from? Like, how does ketamine made? Do you know anything about that? I don't know if it's isolated from something or if it's if it's just synthetically, you know, manufactured. Because it's interesting how like ketamine fits into like a lot of the conversations around like psilocybin mm-hmm. and like uh, or peyote. Like, 
because I'm not like is ketamine. It's not an actual like a cactus. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's not, and it's not actually an 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 entheogen in the same sense. It's um, so ketamine is is like the sister to PCP. Okay. um, Which PCP has an an awful reputation, and I've never done it, so I don't know if it's warranted or not. But the people that have done both say they're basically the same thing. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Now that you talk about it, that's like such. But it's so interesting how like this this part of the conversation of medicines is so demonized by the groups that will gladly take some crazy stuff and Absolutely. crazy dosages as well. Yeah. Because I've tried some things here and there and I'm like, what the freak? You take 30 or 60 or 90 milligrams of that every day? Yeah. You are, wow. Yeah, man. I was I was up to a point where I was taking, uh, like in one setting, 15, 10 milligram oxys. Let me understand that. So you said in one setting taking what? 15, 10 milligram oxy, so 150 milligrams. Cottons or Percocets? Oxycodones, which are Percocets, or Oxycontin? So Oxycontin is the brand name. Oxycodone is the chemical name. So it's an Oxycodone. And see, Percocet has Tylenol mixed in with it. Oh, it does? It has acetaminophen mixed in it? Yes. Okay. And then how much is in a Percocet? Like, how much um, do you understand that? Percocets um, are (laughs) typically like five milligrams um, of oxycodone with like 325 milligrams of acetaminophen. Wow. Okay. And then how many milligrams of oxycontin were you taking at once? You were saying uh, about 150 milligrams. And that sounds like a lot. It is. I mean, when I first started, um, but I don't know. I don't. I've never gotten to this. It's, it's not the most people have taken. <laughs> like I had friends in California that were starting their day with with two 80s, right? An 80 for each nostril. So 160 to the Are they snort it too? Yes. Are we, is that something you were doing? I was time? doing that too. So, man, that's also something I, I mean, I've, I've, I've had people blow up the uh, hoppe, like the tobacco stuff up my nose. Oh, yeah. But I've never snorted. Uh, like it was a capsule? I mean, it was like a, a, a pill, like a steerated pill. Yes. That you the crush ones, yeah. and then you snort. Of course, Purdue came out with their abuse-proof ones that were like, they had a polymer inside of it, so you couldn't actually crush them or grind them or anything like that. So you, the, there was a workaround to snort those, which was you shaved them down, microwave them, and put them in the freezer, and then it would come up with this waxy fish food-like substance, and then you could snort that. Man, this high must be really special. No, no, it's it really wasn't. I uh, the the what it did for me was to numb me from an existential pain caused by the divorce mostly, or or more, or is it like no, the divorce part of it? Or? The divorce is when I quit. I was on these, um, and I had quit a couple times, but the the time that I first really got onto them was uh, like two years into my marriage, and my wife had um, just cheated on me for the first time, and. Um, so I had a friend that, you know, had um, something called Opana, which is much stronger than Oxy. And he introduced that to me. And as soon as I took that, my feeling of just like not even being able to exist in this world went away. And all of a sudden I was comfortable again. So I just recently rewatched the movie with Jim Carrey. I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about. Eternal. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. How many times have you seen that one? Probably twenty. Okay, is that what we're talking about here? Is that is, are they were they referencing oxycodone, this drug in that movie? It's been a long time since I've seen it. But what part of that are you talking? About? Talking about like how you can forget, you can forget your pain. Yeah, Here, here's a way you can forget your pain. Yeah, um, in a way, 
I guess you could look at that as an analogy for it. But there's a difference because I don't want to forget things. This represents my ex-wife, but I, I have viewed this as a battle scar, this tattoo on my wrist. And it, I don't want to erase... Do you mind describing that? Because we're not, you know, one day, I'm considering we'll have like a whole production team in here one day, but uh, right now I just love the audio. Can you can you describe what the tattoo is for people? Sure. Because they're mostly listening. Um, yeah, so uh, as Jehovah's Witnesses, we were kind of having to sneak around to date each other. So that was the first time I ever started talking to people on Messenger. It was MSN Messenger back in the day. And if you typed parentheses L parentheses, it would bring up a rose. And if you type parentheses, F parentheses, oh no, sorry, L was a heart, F was the rose. So I used to do this. This is what I would type in. And then on the screen would pop up, it would be LFL on the screen would pop up, a heart, a rose, and a heart. And that was just like my little sign off to her every time. And so she ended up getting the actual emojis tattooed. And then I got the lettering tattooed. Wow, that's super cool. That's super <laughs> unique. I don't know if I've ever heard that story before. Like something. No, I've never heard that before. Wow, awesome. You have other tattoos, by the way. Yeah, for sure. I've got um, Coheed and Cambria based tattoos. I don't know if you ever heard that band. That's I have my favorite band. Um, where are they from? I'm not. I'm. Not, I wish. I, now I'm going to become more familiar with them. New Jersey. This. Do you know which part of New Jersey by any chance? My dad's from New Jersey. He's from Vineland. I'm not sure. We, are they brothers or anything like that? What's the story with them? Maybe you, Jersey City, because they've got that song, Devil in Jersey City. Um, but uh, brothers, no. Claudio Sanchez, which I named my son Claudio, my newborn. Um, oh, we got, we got, we're going to get we're gonna get to the roots of that conversation in a moment, but please keep going with this. Yeah, so he's he's the the lead man of the band, and really it's, it's hard to not say it's all him. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the other members, but, you know, um, from the structure of the song to the lyrics to the underlying epic sci-fi space opera that that runs through every one of their albums um, to the comics that are written to back that up, the graphic novels. All of that is straight from his mind. Um, and one of the things I found really interesting is the way that Heroin had hit that band. Um, they finally lost their, their bass player due to just never-ending struggle with heroin. Hmm. Their original drummer left the band for like five years until he could finally get clean. Um, and then he came back and that was all to heroin. And really the influence behind the art in the first place for Claudio was his dad's heroin addiction. His dad was a functioning heroin addict. He talks very good about him. He said he was always working, always supporting his family, but he had to have his heroin. So one of the tattoos I have is a dragonfly, and that represents the hypodermic needle that his father would use. Hmm. Wait, so are you are you not using heroin? I've Pro never used heroin. I mean, by heroin, I mean um, pain, uh, opiates. No. Are you, no more no, no, opiates? No, no. Are I you off that? Yeah, in six years. Wow. What a deep... This opiate musician thread is also huge. Yeah. Man. Think about Kurt Cobain. What, what happened with him, in case anyone doesn't know? Because you probably know more than I do as well. I'm happy I'm uh, My ex was much more the Kurt Cobain guy. I mean, it's just that he was, he was heavily into heroin, which I think was huge in Seattle at the time. The grunge scene, that scene was based around heroin. And, um, and then, obviously, he killed himself, is what's said. So, you know, there's a conspiracy that he was killed. But, but the, the, the thing was, he was so high on heroin that they say he couldn't have pulled the trigger on the shotgun that he shot himself with. Um, but yeah, so. 
Guess what? Guess what minute we were on when you were talking all about that? What? Do you have a guess? Oh no! What is it? <laughs> Are you familiar with this like club, this death club, this certain age? Oh, twenty-seven. Uh, yes. Yeah, the twenty-seven club. Yeah, we were. He's on part tw- of that, right? We were on twenty-seven minutes. Yeah. That's a trip. That's a trip. Yeah, the, him. Who? Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi right? Jimi Hendrix, um, Amy Winehouse, I believe. Yeah, it's bizarre. I was happy when I got past 27, but then I thought, well, now I'm never going to be a legend. <laughs> that's a funny. That's a funny thing to say. Never going to be a legend. I don't know if I don't know if that can be or not. I don't think that can. I don't think that can be true. I think yeah. everyone's a legend. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, everyone's a legend, especially yeah. If you're thinking about butterflies and dragonflies. Yeah. All right. So, wowzers. Um, where were you at when this was all happening? Like Mary divorce. So, um, so I was in Northern California when I got married. Um, Which part? Um, so I started out in Sacramento, but the, the girl I met was an hour and a half North of Sacramento, this little town called Gridley up 99 North, like 30 minutes short of Chico, that college town. And, um, so I married her and moved there and I was there for about four years before I, moved back to Sacramento for a year and then back to Houston. Without her? Uh, no, she came with. She the divorce with. happened okay. in Houston. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she, see, she cheated on me. Uh, there's four different times in our eight years of marriage that I found out that she cheated. Um, and I know of at least six different guys. So <laughs> when I got onto pills in the first place was after the first cheating. Um, when we moved to Houston was after the third and um, it was really just like, man, I've got to get out of here. And the only hopes that we'll ever have success is if I'm not thinking in the back of my mind, every time I'm not with you, are you seeing this person or that person again? You know, so let's get a fresh start. Let's go to a new place. And she accepted and went. Wow. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, too, about... Um, cheating and or being cheated on I it's mean, brutal I, man I don't even know where to begin or end on that conversation and I don't know what's most appropriate do you have any advice for someone that's going through something that might be cheating on someone and or might be che- being cheated on uh, if you're cheating on somebody I've never done that um, but uh, I know that's a very common human thing and I'm not judging people that do um, I would say you're with the wrong person unless that person is okay with you doing what you're doing um, so please do uh, solid to the person who has put their trust and, and faith in life into you and let them know what's going on. Maybe they'll be okay with it, it maybe not, but it's going to happen eventually, so the sooner the better. And if you're cheated on, it's not very often that that's a one-time thing in my personal anecdotal experience and then just for friends that I've talked to. So... Um, if you're not okay with that, then I would say move on. And the, the other thing that I've told people after my current relationship, which started out incredible and for five years has only gotten better. It, there's just nothing. Okay. Yeah. We want to talk oh, about that. Crazy. We definitely want to talk about that. So y'all, you, you divorced in Houston. Yes. Boom, boom. No kids. Boom. I don't know the asset whole story. I don't know how much you want to get into that. I mean, I've gone through a divorce. So I like, there's really basically, if you're a divorce attorney, you know, you're like kids, assets. 
Yeah, we didn't have what, assets or kids. For what? It was easy. We so didn't. easy breezy on that end, but yeah. not easy emotionally. No, absolutely. I not. almost wonder if divorcing um, legally and going through all the logistics of that delays it and gets like it's almost a distraction of the emotions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Arguably. I, I didn't have to do much on that front. She went through, did the paperwork on it, sent it to me eventually. I signed it, and that was it. All right, so there here you are. Now you're in Houston by yourself? Yeah, so I moved in with my mom. Oh, that's where your parents live in Houston? She, she was back in Houston at this point, so I moved, I moved back in with her and, and her sister, my aunt. Where's your dad at this point? Did we get to that? Or no? My dad got remarried after I got married. Um, and he's in Florida. Wow. Sarasota. Wow. All right, so now you're living with your mom's and aunt mm-hmm. in Houston. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, something, it sounds like you met someone here in Houston. Uh, so, um, I've, I, <laughs> so I ended up getting back on pills. I didn't figure out what I needed to figure out in my head and I was just spinning my wheels I couldn't get past it and so I got back on pills and then um, I reconnected and this is the strangest thing I reconnected with friends that I had known in California this is a married couple the girl was actually the third cousin of my ex-wife the guy her husband was the first person who my wife cheated on me with so I reconnected with them, and they were so wonderful. And I was sitting in this restaurant with them, crying to them, saying, I can't tell my mom I'm addicted to this, because if I do, she'll never talk to me again, because, you know, I'll get disfellowshipped again as a Jehovah's Witness, which means like, she can't talk to me. So I can't tell her, and I can't just start withdrawing there, because she'll know what's up. So I said, I have been wanting to get clean again for so long, and I've, I don't have any place to just go and disappear from the face of the earth for a couple weeks so that I can just go through it, and that's all I want. And they said, come to our house. They said, we've got an extra bedroom. Just go in there. You don't have to worry about anything, no money, no food. Just come over and just take the bedroom and get yourself clean. And so I did, and I called them my guardian angels for that. So coming clean to your mom, what you didn't want to do, is what opened the door for you. So coming clean to my mom, yeah, I couldn't do. And that, that held me, in my own mind at least, trapped in the addiction until I had a situation in which I could get clean. And but, so, but you told her that? You told her, you ended up telling her? And she, my mom? Yeah. Or who were you talking about? The, I, may have missed, so, I may have missed one detail. So the people that let me go to their house is who I'm talking about. That's my, my ex-wife's third cousin and her husband who's the first person now i now i get it yeah now i get it. I, I got confused so you didn't tell your mom you went no. to, and they allowed oh, wow wow okay 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 yeah wow the, uh, I, that jehovah's witness it's like do i go do i ask you more about the jehovah's witness right now or do i ask you more about how you met your current um wife that's up to you man there's a lot to say <laughs> on both so Let's start with the current wife. Oh, that's a much better topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's start there. All right, man. Um, so another interesting synchronicity kind of thing. Uh, there, was, there was a friend I grew up with in the Jehovah's Witness congregation named David Tercero. And um, I had lost contact with him after I got kicked out of the religion when I was 19. 
So I hadn't spoken to him in like 10 years. And out of nowhere, he hits me up on Facebook. He finally found me. And we talked, and and uh, it was a whole thing, man. We had searched for each other for years mm. and couldn't find each other, and then finally found each other. Wow. At the same time, my now wife over here reconnected with a friend she lost touch with for like eight years. And her friend and my friend happened to be married. So I was able to find her on Facebook through a post that my, my old rekindled friend's wife posted. And from the second that we, I commented, she commented right after it, and it was like 30 gifts back and forth, just hilariousness. She <laughs> hit me with how incredibly witty, uh, how smart and funny she was. It blew me away. And um, yeah, then uh, from that point on, we started uh, messaging back and forth, and it didn't stop. For a, a, a month and a half, we were doing that. I went to Tokyo for a couple of weeks, and I was on the phone with her more than I was in Tokyo. <laughs> Wait a minute. She yeah. was in Tokyo? No, no, no. <laughs> she, she's from uh, Denver. So, uh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. why I'm here in the first place. Wait, you were in Tokyo? Yeah. So when I started talking to her, I was in Florida. I, I do insurance adjusting for hurricanes. So okay. I was working a hurricane, and as soon as that hurricane ended, a friend I had met at a Comic-Con or an Anime-Con said, hey, I'm going to Tokyo with these Twitch streamers from Denver. Uh, we've got the whole thing set up. You know, you don't have to pay for housing. Just bring enough for your food and, and fly out. And so it's like, all right. So as soon as the, the storm ended, I went to Tokyo for a couple of weeks. And as soon as I came back, I, I planned the trip and drove up to Denver. Wow. Wow. To meet her. To meet her, yeah. I was only supposed to be here for like a week and a half, and I've been here ever since. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The GIFs from GIFs, from Facebook comment GIFs. Yeah, yeah. To you flying out from Tokyo to Denver to the week and a half visit till, and how many, how long are we later? Five years. Five, whoa, five yep. years later. Yeah. Yep. That's a cool story. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But how did that week, like, how did that happen, that first week and a half? Was it, like, was this, like, clear from, like, the first hour? Like, how did this happen? Dude, from the first second, man. What? Yeah, we, we, we pulled in. We were right by the house, and I knew it was, like, a minute away. So I was like, hey, guys, you got to help me put my hair up, because my hair was a lot shorter, and it wouldn't go into a ponytail, and it was all messed up from the car ride. So I'm like, you got to help me, like, pin my hair up so I don't look retarded. And then um, we, we drove there. They went in first. And I'm like, just like, breathe, breathe, breathe. It's kind of like how I was coming over to this because I've never done a podcast before. So I'm like, all right, just breathe. It's going to be okay. Um, so I I went in and saw her and I couldn't talk. I, I literally couldn't talk for like two weeks, dude. I couldn't eat. I couldn't talk. It was crazy. But but it was perfect. And, and man, from moment one, we just melted into each other. It It's kind of funny because... Um, our friends were watching us and it was another girl who was a, f a friend of that friend. And um, those two girls were watching me and Marissa, my now wife, and they were just looking at us funny. And they're like, you guys are like melted butter into each other. It's like they were irritated by it, dude. And I didn't even realize what was happening, but they're right. We were just on like sitting on the floor, just like falling into each other. It was so weird. It was awesome. Wow. So that was five years. Five years ago. Okay. So then what in the heavens has happened in those five years with 
children and such. I, or, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it sounds like now you are you've got your hands full, family wise. Oh sure, yeah, it's I love every second of it, <laughs> but it is definitely a busy busy process. Um, uh, she had two kids before me, um, and then she was raising her brother and sister uh, because their mom passed away when my wife was 18. So my, my wife had just gotten pregnant and then her mom's skin cancer came back. And within like six months, her mom passed away and there was no fathers in the picture to take care of her siblings. So she took them on, which is something that... Because these are young siblings, you said? Yeah. What were they? Her brother age? was like five and her sister was like 11. What a, wow. Yeah, that it's something that made me fall in love with her from the very beginning. I couldn't believe somebody could be that unselfish. And how old was she at this point? Eighteen. Eighteen. Five and eleven, you said? Yeah. Okay, five and eleven. Mom, bam. Yeah. So those those four were in the house. Um, so I started having the experience of raising kids all five years apart from each other. Because her her daughter, when I got here, was two. Her son was six. And then um, it was 12 and like 18, something like that. Wow. So it's pretty much all five years apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the course of the last five years, I've raised a kid at every age from two to 21. <laughs> I got a crash course in it. Um, and now I've got my own newborn. Wow, yeah. come on. What's the newborn's name? Ah, that's a good one. His name is Claudio Octavius Joe Trojanowski. Trojanowski, real quick. Yeah. Isn't that Polish? Isn't it like it is. ski magic? Yeah. What, do you have anything to say about that name? That's a cool name. I've never heard that name. Um, yeah, so that's my dad's uh, side. Obviously, he was um, Polish on his father's side and then German-English on his mother's side. So he's very white. Um Trojanowski is how it's pronounced in Polish. Oh, but that sounds cool. Say that one more time. Trojanowski. Wow, beautiful. But yeah, here Much it's all beautiful. just phonetical. So Trojanowski. <laughs> or it's Trojan man. I definitely like how you say that. So, that's a good last name. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. How would you say my last name? Eisenman. Uh, exactly like that. <laughs> Eisenman. <laughs> that's how I pronounced it when I looked you up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is there anything you want to make sure that we talk about? Because I think we just like got 40 plus minutes into like getting to know each other a little bit in such a fast in such a like a fascinating illuminating way i mean i mean if someone wants to get in touch with you for instance is there a way for them to do that ah so i talked to my wife about that earlier i was like i don't have any social media i stay away from social media wow so um i said maybe we should create a youtube channel since it's been my dream to be putting out content Mm. and this is a situation in which i should have an answer to what question you just asked me boom so i created or my wife created one for me earlier called trojan fam (laughs) that's the way she got trojan fam trojan fam on uh on youtube oh come on baby yep let's go so that look forward to content being posted trojan fam comment uh content is coming let's go that is epic (laughs) <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. That's so meaningful. As far as topics to talk about, you know, um, I'm happy with the conversation going exactly the way that it is. I think that um, a very organic, flowing conversation that jumps from one thing that makes sense to the next thing that makes sense is the best way to do it. But, um, you know, my mind has been a lot lately on 
the future of this world as far as it pertains to AI and how I can secure uh, a safe future for my children. That's really all mm. I can think about anymore. That's a, I mean, that's an amazing, like, come on, you, you just go ahead and come out with that book. Like, how to create the safest environment for your children with the oncoming AI wave, or with the wave, inevitable wave of AI. Yeah. I mean, the chat GPT thing is out of control. Out of control, I can't even believe it. I'm still... Yeah, you should listen to Mo Gadot. Um, he's an Egyptian uh, Google engineer. He's like a VP for Google for a long time. He left to be able to spread the awareness about what's coming down the line with AI. And it's horrifying. What's the best way for someone to look that up, what you're referencing? Because I'm just like... Oh, it's uh, something uh, CEO uh, was... The, I mean, uh, I bet it's horrifying. I definitely don't want to scare... Like, I don't want to... Because I, I probably wouldn't even be too scared about it myself because I would probably have some, like, delusionally optimistic opinion on it. And it is um, ridiculous. I understand how ridiculous this is a little bit. Very little bit. I've scratched the surface. I wish I was like you, man. I, I want to know how to do that because it doesn't help me in the least to get paralyzed. Well, it's a choice. That's basically what it is. It's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. I mean, like, you can get afraid or <laughs> you can get awake, I guess, or you can, like, get alert or you can, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want. But afraid is definitely a choice, I think. I understand how hard it would be to choose otherwise, like in the presence of like a grizzly, like it might be healthy, a little, have a little fear, but to have it like a on, I mean, people have had the option of being afraid of like an oncoming loom and doom forever. This is true, absolutely, and I've thought about that. You know, there's always the world is ending kind of people. Always. And I don't want to fall victim to that and be like, no, but this time it's true. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but usually it's not the smartest people in the world that are working on this very thing that are also saying this is the end of life as you know it. So it's like, you know, that's where it kind of pops back into my head. Like, well, no, I should be worried. I guess that's also why like a little healthy ri like risk might be healthy. Like it might be healthy. Like to get, like the river's raging right now. If someone like went tubing, I think they would make it. <laughs> I think yeah. they, and like especially their water aware that you should be fine. But it might scare them a little. It might scare them a little bit to realize that like, I guess nothing's guaranteed. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, um, and just like I was at, Ma at Magnolia Farms up the road today um, at this place, with, I, there was like a yak giving birth. Literally. Oh, that's so cool. Just gave birth. <laughs> <laughs> and the other yak were coming in like spearing it. Oh, man. And allegedly to make it like, sure, it's breathing and it's on its feet. Okay. But that I sense. could see it actually getting killed. But allegedly, they these yak have like their <laughs> their horns are different and they're much more precise. So they're like doing it in a way that works allegedly. But it was like for the rancher, he was like he was trying to stop it. Okay, he was scared. He didn't want to lose that yak. The animal kingdom is a, is a wild place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, if a if a lion gets dethroned and new male takes over, the new male will kill all of the other lions' cubs. So yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's why. I mean, I, I guess I just think maybe because I've been around like animal births and deaths and saw my daughter birth. I'm just like uh, these kind of things. I think are very impactful on my nervous system in a way that helped me be less afraid of um, 
like yeah, less afraid of things that could happen in the future. Right. Yeah. And a faith, a faith in God in a way. That's a that's an incredibly good topic to talk about. <laughs> yeah. What is your faith? Oh my goodness gracious. Oh my godness. Oh my goddess. <laughs> I love it. My faith is in God, and I definitely feel as if I have a relationship with the walking version of God, Yeshua. Okay. How his walk on earth is interpreted to me is, I don't know if I fully understand, but I feel like there's a power in me when I pray in his name and that I, and understanding that like, it's challenging to understand how like symbolic, metaphorical, multi-interpreted this whole thing is. But I, I love that in my heart more than anything else I've dove into. And I think there is a power of faith. I mean, this is a, this topic, it's like, I'm, it's almost ineffable for me. It is potentially ineffable. And I think that, um, like a lot of potential Jehovah witnesses, I don't know much about, but maybe the Christians that I went to church with, may believe like if we had a long conversation or my beliefs they would, I feel like they think I would be blasphemous but then I think of the the man and figure of Jesus is like very blasphemous very blasphemous to what was going on from my understanding so I aim to my, my faith is in that my faith is in the Holy Spirit of Yeshua and the and that there is a creator, and I'm not claiming I understand it at all. I don't think it's a man, like a white bearded. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's that. I don't. I I kind of like metaphorically. I almost think of it as like a winning sperm. Okay. Interesting. Like meaning that like for for creation, there's got to be a winning sperm, like a winning sperm of consciousness. Okay. And I choose to believe in the Holy Spirit. So the God of the Bible, though, right? Yes. Yes. yes okay. Yes. So that so interesting. So um, <laughs> yes. So JP, your friend, right? JP. Yeah. Sears. Yeah. JP. I've been watching Sears, him for a long time. Friend, yes. Um, his his uh, views on spirituality in the past seemed to line very directly with where I went. Um, I, I was after after getting kicked out of the Jehovah's Witness religion, I went uh, full-on agnostic atheist, and I believed that that was correct for logical and rational reasons. I believed that um, people who believed in a creator were foolishly, you know, confusing themselves um, out, of, out of just hopeful, wishful thinking. Um, but, but over the years it shifted to the exact opposite side where I, it doesn't make any sense to me for this to be some dead, meaningless accident. It, and, and I feel like, for me, I, I tried to take back the word God and not be afraid of it. Um, and while I don't think of it as a person with an identity, with like a personality and certain desires. And it, like, it's not like, I don't look at it like a normal person. But are you familiar with Alan Watts? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love I love listening to Alan Watts. And that's a part of also that I'm like, 
this is like so not like what the preacher or the Southern Baptist Church said. And in a way, I find like a lot of like alignment with what I believe. I found the mystical paths to be um, the thing combined with my wife Marissa's unconditional love to be the thing that brought me into a place where only thing that makes sense is that there is God. And God means to me this entire thing that that love and existence and and consciousness and the entirety in a non-dualist kind of way. There's no division between any of this. This is all one phenomena, and that phenomena is God, and that phenomena is intelligent, and this isn't a dumb accident. That's that's how I feel now. That's and good to hear. For my mom's sake, I'm, I told her all that, and I told her I'm very happy to call it Jehovah. As long as you know that I do believe in God, I'm not an atheist, you know? I have differences in my, my outlooks um, from you. And I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong, but this is how it makes mm. sense to me. Yeah, that's a big deal too, because the uh, I don't know. Once again, you can speak about maybe the logistics of Jehovah's Witnesses and what it means to be one about your beliefs, but I have seen it in the church, like church-like settings, where it seemed like people. Uh, were maybe not saying it literally, but they were like, like you don't like, like you're not accepting that person unless they say what you want them to say. I'm like, don't you know they'll feel that? <laughs> yeah. Like, don't you know? And like, especially like a little kid, and especially if it's explicit. With with as as much <laughs> due respect, because Jehovah's Witnesses are are beautiful people. They're loving people who are trying to do the right thing as far as they see it. But yes, I think that they misunderstand things because, for example, for me to be disfellowshipped at 19 because I had sex with my fiancé before we were married and I smoked weed mm-hmm. and they found out about that. And this what is it called? What's that? This what? Disfellowshipped. Okay. Yes. Uh, so it's, a, their sh- it's the name for their shunning process. Okay. Um, so... Because of that, I was disfellowshipped at 19, in, in, and what that means is that nobody can talk to you. They can't even say hello to you. So Within the community, obviously. Were you living within this community? Like, was it like a neighborhood? or like I don't understand. So, as a Jehovah's Witness, you're not allowed to have friends that are not Jehovah's Witnesses. Really? So, your entire community, every person you know in your life is a Jehovah's Witness. I see. I'm not aware of this, the, the subtleties of this. And those are not subtle at all. <laughs> you're not allowed to date outside. You're not allowed to have friends and go to the movie or hang out. The only association you can have with non-witnesses is either trying to preach to them or if you're, you know, forcibly stuck in a work scenario with them. But then it's only as far as the work goes. Oh, to preach to them or... So that's because I had a Jehovah's Witness friend that was in school with me. Mm -hmm. And now that I think about it, it was... I don't know if we ever hung out. I'm not like, wait a minute, did we only hang out in school? There's definitely witness kids that break those rules. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, but to so that's con- part of the thing. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I lost uh, I lost my entire support group at 19, and I think it would have been 
<laughs> you know, I, I was raised so sheltered. I didn't know what the real world was like. I didn't know what real people were like. I'm just trying to figure this out. They know you're. Sh- does the group know that you're shunned because of what you did? Like, do they know you they smoked weed? And have, they they don't, did. No, they don't announce why I'm shunned. Oh, they, they just don't. announce that I'm shunned. Because if I feel like if they knew you had sex and smoked weed, they would be maybe even more friendly with you. <laughs> like on their heart level, on their beyond the maybe not, maybe not. But that's it. That kind of it makes it more mysterious. Like you're just yeah. shunned. Yeah. I mean, there's there is like in any group of humans quite a gossip chain, right? So there's mm-hmm. a grapevine where information gets down, but it's not an official announcement. That's for sure. And then, um, how long does a shunning last for? There is no specific number on that, but um, I don't think I've ever seen it happen less than a year before somebody gets reinstated. I was disfellowshipped for six years before I got reinstated. Starting at that age? Yeah, so I was uh, 25 when I got reinstated. Wow. And did did you have to do something to get reinstated? Yes, I had to write letters like every... So first of all, I had to go to every meeting, which is three meetings a week. I had to be there early, sit down and leave uh, when Are I these are all for the disfellowshipped? Or these? No, this is the normal Jehovah's Witness meetings. Oh, okay, okay. So you walk in where all the normal witnesses are, but but everyone will look the other way. As you walk by them, they'll get a nervous look on their face and turn away from you. Wow. So, and then you'll sit and... Wow. As the... Hardcore. As Hardcore the social stuff. This oh, certainly. Yeah. As, yeah. As the brothers walk by, they want to look in your literature and see that you studied for that meeting. You highlighted, underlined, and wrote notes for that meeting. And you have to do that for every single meeting consistently, as well as every month or two months, you're going to write a letter professing your sins and your repentance for your sins and your begging for God's uh, acceptance back. And then the brothers, the elder body, will sit down and read your letter and then get back to you and say, yeah, you're not ready yet, you know. So, <laughs> I, I tried many times to get reinstated, but I couldn't keep it consistently enough until that time when I was 25, and then I finally got reinstated. And what's your current status? I am a, um inactive Jehovah's Witness, inactive. is what it would be called. I'm not disfellowshipped because I got reinstated, but I'm not acting as a witness because I'm not... Um, going to the meetings, and I'm not um, witnessing to people trying to convert them. Is it my understanding that there's like 144,000 people or something like that with the Jehovah's Witness, or is this just like... Yeah, that's their understanding of a scripture in Revelation. So what are they, who are they recruiting, part of these 144,000? No, so the small crowd is 144,000. The great crowd cannot be numbered. So the way that they interpret it is that 144,000 are the members of humanity who will serve with Jesus Christ as kings and priests in heaven during the thousand-year oh, reign. Oh, I did not understand this detail. So, yeah, so 144,000 humans will go to heaven and serve with Jesus during the thousand-year reign. Oh. Everyone else is, has an earthly hope, and they will, they will remain on earth in a perfect paradise earth forever. So the 144,000 oh, wow. are called anointed, just so you know. Okay. That's the terminology. Okay. And if you were practicing, would you be anointed? Is that How does that work? No, the thing is, it's like, um, they considered any good witness to be anointed in the beginning of the religion, um, which started in like the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. So 
there's been so many witnesses from mm-hmm. then till now that obviously they got to say that almost everybody is now not anointed. And the only people that are anointed should be like really, really old people. Oh. And even oh. in their own literature, they'll be like, hey, um, some of these people that are claiming to be anointed, because they'll give you the number of how many people are claiming to be anointed currently. And they're like, some of these people might be mistaken, you know, because they're like, this, there's no way there's that many anointed left. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, that must be very interesting. So, yeah. I don't know if they understood like compound or exponential growth. Yeah, or when they, for sure. Maybe not. Maybe they did, but maybe it was like a short-term purpose. Maybe it's like maybe the person that created it is like, wow, it's still going. Charles Says Russell created it, and he was a 33rd degree Freemason in the Scottish Rite. And that's not a fact that most Jehovah's Witnesses know. What is it? You know, what does that mean? 33rd degree Freemason? Yeah. So On the, the Scottish Rite? What does that mean? Well, there's 33 degrees of Freemasonry as far as you climbing up the ranks. Okay. So the highest rank you can get is 33rd degree. So they have a ladder climb too. Yes. Does Jehovah's Witnesses have a ladder? Do they have a ladder or no? Sure. Yeah. There's okay. a structure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, so he was the one that created this. Yes. And he went through the 33. So he never was openly honest about that, but there is a lot of reasons why we know that's true. In fact, he's buried in a pyramid tomb on the property of the Greater Pennsylvania Area Freemasonic Temple. Wow. So it's very clear. And the old literature they had had the cross and crown on it. The okay. Scottish Rite symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's lots of reasons why, but yeah, um, his original idea was that 1914 was going to be Armageddon. That was the end, and so he certainly didn't mm. see time for more than 144,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now they believe 1914 is when Jesus returned to Earth. Really? Yes. The, the Jehovah's Witness do? Mm-hmm. What? So G- is he still here? Yes. He's still here? Yes. Uh, wh- I did not know this. Yep. I, so Jehovah's Witness believe Jesus is walking Earth right now? Not in a physical body. Oh, but, but what happened to him since he returned in 1914? So, because he could technically still wait. That would be over 100 years old. But Jesus, you know. So he is guiding the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. How long did he live since when he was 1914 on a human form? He did not come in human form. Oh, in he recame. Oh, he's just out of heaven, oh, back here. Now I get it. Yes. Okay. Okay. And the, okay. So he's in spiritual form. Okay. Okay. Now I get it. Wow. See, that's pretty interesting. So, did that? Do you think that like organically evolved? Like at first, was it really was the world was supposed to end in nineteen fourteen, and then they realized it. Oh, this view of our world is still going on, so we have to reinterpret. That's how that happened, you think? Yeah. According to the history that I've read, um, that's exactly how that happened. And they've claimed, I believe, five other dates to be Armageddon. The most recent one was 1975, in which place a lot of witnesses charged all their credit cards, stopped paying their bills, and everything. They just like, oh, wow. all we're going to do is preach because the end is coming tomorrow and we don't have to worry about this. And you can't, as a Jehovah's Witness, are you not allowed to use any of those other things we're talking about, like caffeine even? Caffeine. No, no, no. You can use caffeine. In, they can even drink. Oh, they can. They okay. just can't get drunk. Oh, oh, so it's more like Christian interpretations with that part. Right. Like yeah. or like Baptist, for instance. Yeah, it's not the Mormon where you can't even put a thing in your. You you can't do drugs because they're illegal and because that's like tied to sorcery in the Bible, right? Uh, yeah, Mormons seem pretty successful. 
financially at I've least. known some and like awesome fruitful Mormons. family wise <laughs> yeah and people wise like I'm like maybe like these guys are like really business good business oh, yeah. people for sure it seems like they own a lot of Utah I've had a lot of really good Mormon friends they're cool yeah um so do you, yeah what's your synop do you recommend people becoming a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or anything like that at this point I wouldn't recommend anybody doing anything. I think that the best thing you can do is open your eyes, research, read, talk to people, and fine-tune. It's like what I want to do for my kids more than anything was never to inject an ideology into them, but to help them build their skills for deciphering through uh, hucksters and bullshit mm. and then the actual truth that's out there that's the only thing I could do good for somebody is to try to point them in the direction to where they can look for themselves that's all and doesn't it help being a father absolutely happy father's day that's coming happy up. father's day brother I mean, happy father's day every day yeah absolutely but I like that it seems like the uh, all the um, all the um, the businesses really are making a big deal of this father's day are they? Um, it seems like it in my email list, maybe. I'm, I don't know. It's every holiday. We did it a week early. I don't care about the day, man. It's like, yeah. I And I never celebrated a single holiday growing up. Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate anything. Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, they don't celebrate anything? anything. Oh, I thought, man, I thought you meant they don't celebrate the Hallmark holidays, but they don't celebrate none of them. What do you mean? But they celebrate life, right? Like if like if you saw a yak being birthed, you would like, yay! Right? Yeah, yeah, that's allowed. Sure. There's none of that. There's yeah. no, is there any trampling of like a that type of expression, like emotional or being like enthusiastic or being crazy. Oh, I mean, you can't do that during the meeting for sure. It's, it's something a lot of people, like my wife, when she went to a meeting with me, my mom was in town. Um, something that people notice is how um, subdued everybody is. Oh, it's, in the it's meeting, a very yeah, sitting like... quiet, sitting still. There's no open, loud expressions of you know pra <laughs> praise. It's not like that. Yeah. Wow. And your your mom is very into this current. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing how like um we we choose our beliefs and or choose to adopt other beliefs? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And it doesn't make you a good or bad person. I you know, my I'm not saying anything about Jehovah's Witnesses as judgment one way or the other, but I will say my mom is the best mom I could have ever imagined. That's a great thing. And that's a great thing about like um, another thing. Like my grandma, for instance, all she cared about was Jesus. She lived to be a hundred, and she was just like the most loving person that's I've ever awesome. seen. I love it. And like all she cared about was like loving her family. It's beautiful. And it's like that's there's a there's that's the correlation I see right there. I mean, you can't deny that. Yeah, man. My wife's grandmother, who lives ten feet from our front door, who we're she's going to move in with us. We're going to go homestead in Houston. So, but she is as strong of a Christian, God-believing person as you could possibly ever be. But it's like polar opposite of who my mom is. And that's what I point to my kids. It's like so funny. They both believe in the Bible and the God of the Bible, but completely different ways. They exhibit it in different ways. They have different ideas about what that means. But they're both beautiful, wonderful, unselfish, loving people. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people get caught up, um, and I, I trust I'm less caught up with it, but I understand how it could be combative to other people, of, like, being very, like, I'm very curious and, and inquisitive, and, like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm saying, I'm not sure if I'm saying the words correctly, properly. Um, 
because I think it might be an ineff. I've had. I feel like I've had quite a bit of ineffable experiences. It's just like really challenging to put into words. Sure. So I'm not like maybe that's not, and maybe I'm not able to put it into words exactly. But when someone else does, I'm not trying to um, say they're wrong necessarily. I'm like trying to figure out what they're, how how do, do I understand what they're talking about? Do, do I relate to that? I, that's the best thing you could do. I mean, how do, how would you even know that? your dictionary in your head that's reading this word they said matches to the definition that's in their head of the word they just said. You can't. You know? Yeah, and then the words get tricky. Because I have seen power in the word of Jesus. The word Jesus is very powerful. Really? I believe so. I believe so. I've seen some things. Something about like that that for certain people. And I'm just like, man. I'm open to it, man. <laughs> Well, we're an hour and eight minutes in. Look at that. That's awesome. Eight's my magic number, brother. Do you have any questions for me or anything? Because I, I usually aim to keep them between 44 minutes and an hour and 11 minutes. I usually, because I believe in creative constraints. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I just, like, was open to it drifting on forever, I, I'm not sure if I would be as um, engaged. For sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. You got to leave them wanting something, man. Well, and I'm just maybe leave myself wanting something. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but what about for you? Anything else? Anything else there? Oh, you? man, I just wanted to say it's cool to meet you. Um, it's awesome that you had your past experiences there with JP and are still friends with him because mm-hmm. I've loved that guy for years. Me and my wife watch it religiously. Um, His videos? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, JP's the man. He's so good, JP man. is... The, I haven't seen him personally in a while, but it was kind of funny because he was making... Like, people started knowing about him from making fun of spirituality. And I would say he was one of the most spiritual people I've, I know. Maybe yeah, the most. Certainly. That, so when we were talking about that in the car the other day, that's what I was saying is I was surprised how over the period of COVID, he became a, uh, a, a very solidly in one dimension, which I hadn't seen him in before, which is a, um, is a, a believer in the God of the Bible. He's so openly... I've heard a lot about this, and I haven't even talked to him personally much yeah. about this, which is so fascinating to me, because you know what else is really fascinating about this to me? JP's one of the smartest people I know, and he has like, just full red hair, right? In college, the smartest person I know is probably my roommate, and full red hair. And um, he's... Um, I actually, he interviewed me once, Eric Neff. Eric Neff, he did interview me once. He's uh, He was working with the LADA. I don't think he is now. I think he's doing something different. Um, but... He, that hit that happened to him. Like he was, both of them were never into God from the Bible. They always kind of looked at me like I was this radical. Like really, that's how they kind of like really. That's what you're. And I'm like, and I never. Um, I don't know what there is to try to fight about or convince about. It's like I'm. I'm. I think that's like a real. I feel like it's a relationship. A relationship with like the creator of my heartbeat is a relationship, and I'm aiming to figure it out. And I feel like it's bridged. The gap is bridged with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, how I understand that. But it's not like, I don't know how to have a conversation when I hear other people talk about it. I'm like, really? Wow, that's how... Because I feel like it's a very um, loving thing. So like I love certainly <laughs> I, I, I love people and animals. Like I love people. I love life and this situation. Um, and just to see JP and my friend Eric Neff make that shift over like the last decade, I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, that's so fascinating to me. He seems a lot more clear now than he ever has before. He's got a very pointed direction. 
Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, maybe we'll all hang out. Are you? I think he's coming. To, wait. When? Do you, he's coming. To, he is coming. I can't remember exactly when, but yeah. Maybe we should go to the show. I might, so go cool. there. I might go. I might see if I can make that happen. That'd yeah. Awesome. Yeah. For sure. Maybe I'll see you there. Yeah. Um. Well, did uh, that? So that YouTube people can follow you there. Boom. And they can. I think if you're on YouTube, you can like send people a message. We'll make sure to put that in the notes. It was Trojan Fam. Trojan Fam. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. And thank uh, the blue Tesla thing. I mean, I, I talked to Vincent Thomas a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Do you own the Tesla? How are you doing the Tesla? I mean, people. I think that blows people's mind because like someone can start Ubering when. How old do you have to be when you're Uber, to Uber? Eighteen. Oh, eight, 17, 18 or, 16. Yeah, something like that. I think it's 18. It's like quite, it can be quite the lucrative career. Oh, yeah. Can you tell, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break normal and go over the time limit here. What do you have to say about Ubering and why you're driving a Tesla and all that and more? I will tell you, man, I love it. I absolutely adore it. And I wish there was no such thing as robot cars coming down the line, man, because I would be happy to do this as a secondary gig for the rest of my life, it's so fulfilling and satisfying and you can make good money doing this. I I can work 35 hours a week and make like 7,000 a month. Here in Boulder, I, I work to get the midweek quest and the weekend quest, the maximum quest. So I'll do four. On Uber only? On Uber only. Is and you work on these I'm working quests? For the quests? You work on these quests? Yes, sir. Do you choose the minimum or maximum? Max. You choose the max every time? Yeah. Dang, son. 90 trips, so I'll do 45 trips on Wednesday and Thursday, get that quest, then 45 trips on Friday and Saturday and get that quest. Wow. And no, I rent. I rent the Tesla. You rent it, okay. But I'm heavily considering buying a like a Honda Insight. Just, oh, just a hybrid. The hi- is it a hybrid EV, like plug-in kind of thing? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. These cars, these car game is crazy. <laughs> I think that would work out about all things considered about five hundred dollars better a month for me. Wow. Um, the only problem is that there's unknowns with the rental. I'm not responsible for anything, accident, you know, maintenance, nothing. So it is nice right now. Uh, my expenses. I the way I drive it, I drive at night, so I'm charging on the off peak. I spend $10 in electricity for a full day of driving for 45 rides. $10. I used to spend $1,500 a month on gas and electric, I mean, gas and oil. Because I got the AMS oil, like the really good wow. European stuff. So it's so much better doing it this way. I, love it. <laughs> oh, wow. I fine-tuned it over a while. But you're driving a lot to hit those goals. Those like are, 35, 40 hours. That's it? Yeah. That's it. 35, 40 hours. You, and only in Boulder? Or only in Boulder. Wow. I won't leave Boulder. You must get some sort of priority with the Tesla as well as my guess. I don't know. I just do. I, so it's, I can't hit the things that I'm talking about right now while college is out. But while college is in? Yeah, yeah. All day. Wow. Every week I hit that. And are you doing anything else, promoting anything else while you're... No, I'm not, man. But if Got I start you. this channel Got up, you. then I'm oh, going to. Oh, for sure, man. This is not if. M- when yeah, to me, it's all. That's why it's it's like it's uh, because the pa- the hourly rate is like well, that's about as good as it gets for a side gig. First of all, it's about, I mean, there might be some other better ones. I saw these like like you can like drive kids to school and stuff for, like more money. If, especially if you have child care giving experience. Okay. I have no experience with taking action on that yet. We'll see what happens. Um. But I love the spontaneity of it. I love the organicness of it. I love the randomness of it. I love the realness of it. Like, I just, I love it. I have met such cool people, <laughs> had so many cool conversations, this obviously being one of them. Exactly. I've met people that are like old school business people that said they wanted to mentor me. I've met people that wanted me to become their regular drivers. I've had 
just That's great cool, spiritual uh, conversations. Have with you ever people. tried that experience? Have you? It ever, hasn't happened yet. I gave them my info. Uh, okay. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause that is, I can see that you just never know what it could open up. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's cool. Wow. Wow. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you for breaking normal over the time. Thank you, Daniel. I loved it. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'm happy that to hear this might be a uh, symbolic launch of the Trojan fam. Absolutely. And for um, your son, too. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I want to say I love you, Claudio, Cyrus, Allison, my wife, Marissa, Marsha, Emma, her grandmother, and then my mom, Rosalia, my dad, Tim. Those are the people that have helped me be me in this life. Wow. Wow, thank you for saying that, too. That, that away, that away. All right, y'all, keep breaking normal and, and keep paying attention to the synchronicities. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself, and I'm like, okay, this is an obvious synchronicity, Daniel. And my heart might be being a little faster, or I might be a little more excited, or be a little nervous or enthusiastic. Time to take action. Time to take action. That's, that's how I see it in some ways. And so I'm reminding myself in front of y'all. Thank y'all. Love y'all. Peace in. <laughs>